Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. Well, two of us got the memo. Not me again. Thanks for the reminder, Biden. The Glass Jerry, it's a little late at 6.07 to remind me that it's Hawaiian shirt day. Do I need to remind you it's Friday? You do not need to remind me that it's Friday. Every Friday is Hawaiian shirt day. Okay, I'll put it on the calendar. Uh, Clay, don't forget, next Friday, Hawaiian shirt day. All right? Uh, yes, uh, and by the way, some of us do have to work this weekend, so this Friday, Friday stuff means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> Plug your ears, Clay, because you're going to get a ton of it. Hey, it's Mackling and McGarry, uh, Sons McGarry, uh, Brett on holidays again today. We will be away on Monday back, Tuesday. Uh, Brett, going to take next week off as well, so uh, not bad for McGarry. Two straight weeks off. Uh, you, however, are stuck with me uh, flying solo for two straight weeks. Thanks for all the text messages and the emails of support, and uh, even the contrary, emails and text messages are fine as well. 780-6868 if you want to hang out with us digitally. If you've got some images of the storm that's going on right now, I don't know if we really call it a storm. It's a good Rain, it's a good thunder and lightning show. If it's a little worse than that, we'd love to hear from you. We always like to know what's going on outside the window, outside of our little cocoon here at 680 CJOB, and you allow us to extend our reach and to know exactly what's going on around the province and around southern Manitoba. We appreciate that very much. Now, when I saw prices, gas prices, Clay was mentioning in his newscast, when I saw prices moving towards 117.9 in the last couple of days, I filled up even from half a tank. It's like, I, you know what? I'm determined, Jerry, not to let the, don't let the bastards win. I'm determined not to <laughs> let the gas companies get the best of me if I can prevent it. So I'm with you up, on that. I filled up my vehicle, even though I was only half full. Last night, Jackie, I think, bought a quarter of a tank. I'm not going to be one of those people that look at the gas price on Saturday and go, I should have filled up on Friday. We did it yesterday. We did it last night. It's a long weekend. You had to know it was coming. Well, it's not quite happening yet necessarily. Uh, Kelly and I both noticed as much as 131.9 on the way in this morning, though. And we're starting to wonder. I'm noticing a trend that it's the 24-hour gas stations, the the Petro-Canada's and the Eshlo's and the Shell's that are open all night. I'm wondering if they're starting to raise their prices overnight and then dropping them back down in the in the morning. I don't know. Well, maybe they have to pay their employees that nighttime differential. Well, and maybe that's what it is. Dan McTagg, of course, senior gas analyst with GasBuddy.com. He's got all the answers. We might see 129.9. I've seen that at a lot of gas stations. But just as quickly as those prices go up here in, uh, in Winnipeg, we're seeing them drop. Uh, right back down to 115. One, I've seen a lot of 114.9s right now. So right now? Take advantage oh. of this while you can. There's Julie Buckingham getting in on the conversation as well. McTagg on with Julie and Richard yesterday afternoon tells us whether or not we will see a spike today or tomorrow. Right now, if I'm a gas station owner, and I'm hoping you're listening, it's costing them between 117 and 119 to buy their gasoline. Uh, if they're big volume sellers, they're probably getting it for 117.5. That's the best price I've seen so far, but they know that the wholesale price for most average gas stations there uh, is about a dollar nineteen point two eight, right on the nose. That's with taxes. 
So if you're selling for less than that, the question is, what are you using to offset? And on the uh, long weekend where most people are taking to the roads, you double or triple the number of people that are going to be buying gasoline. Some of them are saying, look, we can't afford to uh, make money uh, or stay in business at a dollar twenty-one. We're going to have to raise it five or six cents a litre to ensure that uh, we're covering our costs, including things like uh, things we take for granted. We think that this is paid for by the credit card company or by other people. When you use an air miles card or a loyalty or a rewards card or a credit card, it's the gas station that actually has to pay that from their bottom line. So if I'm paying a buck nineteen for my gasoline and I'm offering it for one twenty-one and I'm losing four cents in the loyalty program, uh, I'm going to be sunk. And that's why we see this going up in the long weekend. Over the past week, Julie and, and, and Richard, we've seen oil go up $7 a barrel, and I'm still waiting for the Petro-Canada Suncor refinery disruptions of a couple of weeks ago to finally make their way back to the pumps. We are earned, we, we're, we're certainly in line for a four-cent-a-liter decrease overall as soon as possible. Now, I just got a text from Don, loyal listener and texter, says, the Shell in Clearwater Bay, Ontario, 139.9. Yeah, that sort of matches up with what Dan was telling us yesterday. If you're traveling east or west, here's what you can expect. Well, you're going to pay about the same if you're heading to Saskatchewan. Uh, you're looking pretty much uh, similar pricing. Uh, you're not seeing, you know, Regina right now is uh, 121.9, 121.4. That tends to be pretty much the, you know, the Manitoba average uh, pretty much anywhere you go uh, across the province. Some places, of course, are a little bit more, some less. But if you go back to uh, places uh, in Ontario, uh, you're going to see that if you head out uh, to the Lakes region, uh, Kenora, Rainy River, that region, you're going to be looking at about a dollar forty for a liter of gasoline. So probably a good idea to fill up before you actually get out uh, that far. Because uh, I was just looking earlier today, one thirty nine nine was the average in Kenora. Um, a little more expensive if you head over as far away as Thunder Bay. Uh, so the best prices are right here at home. There's Dan McTagg, GasBuddy.com, letting us know what to expect in terms of gas prices. It's Mackling and McGarry on this Friday morning. Hope you're having a great start today. Thanks for spending some time with us. The Capital Gazette will, well, they did put out a paper this morning, including their opinion page, a blank page from their Twitter. Tomorrow, this came, uh, this came from last night, this capital page will return to its steady purpose of offering readers informed opinion about the world around them. But today, we are speechless as a fatal mass shooting at the Capitol Gazette newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland, is believed to be one of the deadliest attacks on journalists in that country's history. A man identified by law enforcement, and this will be the only time I ever mention this gentleman's name, as Jared W. Ramos reportedly armed with a shotgun opened fire on the newsroom, killing five, injuring two others in what police, police say was a targeted attack on the newspaper. Police say the newspaper had received threats on social media prior to the shooting, and they are trying to determine whether they are connected to the suspect now in custody. Here's CBS's Kylie Atwood. This Annapolis office park became a crime scene Thursday afternoon. Police say a gunman opened fire at a newspaper office, home to the Capitol Gazette. Several shots have been fired, uh, possible uh, shotgun. At least 10 shots heard. A reporter at the paper said the gunman shot through the glass door into the newsroom. He tweeted, quote, There is nothing more terrifying than hearing multiple people get shot while you're under your desk and then hear the gunman reload. This person was prepared to shoot people. 
Five people were killed and at least two others were injured. First victim's name is Wendy Winters. Second victim is Rebecca Smith. Third victim is Robert Hyacin. Fourth victim is Gerald Feshman. And the fifth victim is John McNamara. Police arrived at the incident within a minute of the first emergency call. He was taken into custody by officers. There was no gunfire exchange between officers and the suspect. CBS News has learned 38-year-old Jared Ramos is being questioned in connection with the shooting. Police aren't confirming, but sources tell CBS News a suspect damaged his fingertips to prevent quick identification. Authorities ultimately use facial recognition software to confirm his identity. Police say threats against a newspaper were made on social media prior to the shooting, but they're still determining the source. Detectives are interviewing more than 100 people who were in the building at the time as investigators go over the crime scene. Kylie Atwood, CBS News, Annapolis, Maryland. Here's acting police chief in Annapolis, Bill Cramp, speaking to reporters after the incident. We are working on now securing his residence. He does live in the state of Maryland. We are in the process of securing that residence and preparing for search warrants. We mentioned before about the improvised um, explosive device. That is not an IAD. It was actually canisters um, of smoke grenades that he used inside of the building when he entered the uh, establishment. So this person was prepared today to come in this person was prepared to shoot people. His intent was to cause harm. And as I stated before, the investigative part of this is going to be thorough. That is Bill Cramp, acting police chief in Annapolis, Maryland. It's Mackling and McGarry on this Friday morning. Greg Mackling with you until 10 o'clock today. Coming up next week... I played a little bit of this yesterday. Orbit, can we stop? Yeah, orbit. Here it comes. Short week next week for us. Four days with Mackling and McGarry. And uh, during that four days, we're going to do a special series here on 680 CGOB. We're going to be talking about and taking a deeper look at some of Manitoba's popular roadside landmarks. Do you remember the waivers on your way up to Grand Beach? Yeah, they're not there anymore, but there is certainly a legacy left behind. How about the halfway tree? between Brandon and Winnipeg. Got an incredible picture of the halfway tree from loyal listener Tim Carlisle yesterday. Tim, if you're listening this morning, thanks for that. Absolutely fantastic picture. And all sorts of other distinctive landmarks that you might not always necessarily think are landmarks, but you definitely, if you're taking a picture and you send it to someone, or when you see these landmarks, you know that... You are here. That's what we're calling our series. Series next week runs a Tuesday through Friday at 7.45. We want to hear your stories, see your pictures, share them with us on Facebook, or you can text your pictures of those landmarks, those, those distinctive places that tell you that you know you're only 15 minutes from there. You're 
an hour and a half from here or there. We want to hear from you and we want to interact with you big time next week as we kick off summer travel season. Really, for a lot of kids, uh, that gets underway maybe around 10 o'clock this morning, noon, as uh, I think unless you uh, got your report card yesterday, you're probably getting it today. The last official day of school, whether your kids are there or not. Now, Jerry Diaz, president of Unifor, Canada's largest public sector union, wants to keep your cash at home here in Canada. Diaz says and tells us about the I Shop Canada campaign. Well, it really is a reaction to the tariffs that are going to be imposed on Canadians on July 1st. So it really is our way of, of saying to the federal government, listen, we're supporting the fact that you're standing up for us. But it's also a campaign about how do we stand up for ourselves? How do we educate ourselves as to, you know, what is grown in Canada? What is produced in Canada? How do we as Canadians use our purchasing power to keep as many Canadians as we can at work? So it really is a campaign about solidarity. It's about us pulling for each other. It's about raising the consciousness of the type of products that we do make in Canada and how we can help each other. Now, Unifor is especially pressing to campaign those who live in places like Winnipeg that are a short drive to the United States border and to places like Grand Forks and Fargo. There's purchasing power. Winnipeg is a major city. There's a lot of purchasing power. All I know, if I'm buying a bus, I'm buying a, I'm buying a new flyer vehicle. Anyway, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously, but the point that I'm trying to make is that Listen, this is something that can pull together the nation. It really is about taking a look at the businesses in in Winnipeg. It really is about getting Winnipeggers saying, here's how I'm going to participate. This is what I build. This is what I grow. This is what I'm buying. These are the choices that I'm making for breakfast in the morning. So we're we're talking to Canadians saying, listen, hold on to a product, take a picture of yourself, put it on social media, and let's really get this campaign going as we pull together. A big concern for Canada has to do with the U.S. offering huge tax breaks for companies that shed up, set up shop there. Lots of S's there. It doesn't make a stitch of sense, but clearly governments make decisions as to what industries they know adds significantly to the bottom line. And when I say that, I'm talking about the economy. I take a look at the auto industry, for example. It's an $80 billion a year industry, the number one export industry. I take a look at the forestry sector. Take a look at oil and energy. These are the sectors that Canada should be using as the foundation to build their economy. Ultimately, there's a lot of high-tech jobs. There's a variety of different industries that nations are investing in because the payback is enormous. I take a look at the aerospace industry here in Canada. I take a look at the jobs that that are created uh, by Boeing right there in Winnipeg. So governments make strategic decisions, understanding that the payback when it comes to taxes uh, for employees as well as the corporations, you know, far outweighs the investment. That's Jerry Diaz. He's president of Uniform. He's talking about the campaign encouraging Canadians to support our economy through buying local and encourage others to do the same thing using the social media hashtag I Shop Canada. I think that's something that we can all rally around. Kelly Moore has joined us. Thanks for gracing us with your 
Presence, Mr. Morris, Shanalee Vidal, Clay Young, the omnipresent behind the glass, Jerry. Canada Day falls on a Sunday, as we may or may not know. Many of us will have Monday off, except Clay, which could make for a perfect opportunity to head to Manitoba's campgrounds. Everyone has their own style of roughing it. Some might be the no-frills type of camper with just a tent and a sleeping bag, maybe some rations, while others won't be setting up in the great outdoor outdoors unless they bring a few extra conveniences to make the experience less rugged. Are you a camper or a glamper? A topic of conversation, having coffee, talking this morning. Shanalee Vidal? Yes? Camper or glamper? I'm going to say neither. You know what? I, I am a hotel stay uh, with uh, uh, with amenities. It was funny because I I have camped in a tent before. I've had my years in the tent. So you're a camper. And the, I did not enjoy it. I will not do it again. It was a leaky tent, a tent that went flying away, and I had to go chase after it. As a kid, we camped in the camper in the big trailer, and that was fine. But as an adult, um. Yeah, I don't want to stay outside. I can go outside for the day, but I don't want to sleep out there. You know, in fact, when I was in Hawaii, I had quite the experience of roughing it. When I was in Maui, my boyfriend booked this Airbnb because hotels were super expensive. So he found this place and then it fell through. And then the guy's like, oh, I got you this other place, this other town. It seemed kind of shifty. Uh, so we get we get in and it's it's kind of like a shack and there was no hot water. Fortunately, oh, last great. night my boyfriend fixed the hot water. There was there was no Wi-Fi. There was Aww. there was a TV and like a, a DVD player. There were no DVDs. This is this is it a was, travesty. It was, I was bored out of my skull and super depressed. I mean, I maybe I in wouldn't. In Hawaii, have, you're in Hawaii. Maybe I wouldn't have felt that bad if I had like a hot shower. But it was raining and cold every day in Maui. It was, so, it was, and, and, and there were cockroaches. They were cockroaches. Kelly Moore, what do you <laughs> have to terrible. say about this? <laughs> oh, man. All I'd say is bring a good book every once in a while, you know, like, it, it, but we, we did our, uh, paid our dues as campers for a lot of years. Went through a lot of rainstorms. I remember one year in particular, uh, we were first married. We didn't have kids yet. And I remember waking up, we were camping in Banff, and at Banff National Park, and I remember waking up, putting my hand in the corner of the tent, splash. So I uh, get my wife up, put her in the car, and I'm just stuffing wet crap into the car. I am just... So she says, can you... Give me my socks. Her lips are blue from oh being cold. <laughs> yeah. so Sorry, the, be the, the last time we ever camped, though, was at uh, the Big Valley Jamboree in Camrose. And uh, a thunderstorm had gone through there. On, on the Friday, I remember we had this dining shelter. My wife, you know, she's very short, so she's trying to hang on to the bars so that this thing doesn't blow away. Right. I'm on the other side. At the end of the weekend, I packed up the tent, the dining shelter, jammed it in a big garbage can, and said, that's it. You, put it, you didn't even put it in the car? It went in the garbage can. I said, from now on, we are glampers. I like it, Kelly. I like it a lot. You, 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 you and my dad would get along really well. Clay? I haven't gone camping in years. Probably when I was a teenager, I did a lot of camping, you know, uh, with with the girlfriend. Uh, but I haven't gone camping. But I'll, I will tell you one thing. Um, I talked to the province earlier uh, this year in the springtime when camping season officially got going, and I did an interview, 
And then I said to uh, the lady from the province, I said, by the way, uh, this is the wrong time of the year to be asking this, but do people ever in this province go winter camping? She kind of hesitated and she said, actually, there are people who really rugged. Yes. So you know what? What? I know it's the wrong time of the year, but this winter, I'm going to go camping in the winter. (laughs) I'm going to have a, and my my wife doesn't know this yet, but she's coming with me. And we're going to set up, we're going to set up a tent. And it won't be far. We'll oh. go to Birds Hill. Oh. So it's close to the city in case something. But if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's 20 <laughs> below, we're going to stay there for the whole night. Uh, and it's off the bucket list. We have to get Lots the global of sleeping bags to keep us warm. Got to get the global TV cameras out for that you one. For yeah. one I, second that this you. is going to happen. It'll have to be on a weekday because I work weekends, but I'll phone but you. Listen, he's whining already. Yeah, I'll phone you at weekends 6 a.m. Yes, we're here. I got a text message. <laughs> a wonderful here. morning. I think this sums it up for a, a bunch of us. When I was 18, sure, camping with a sleeping bag, 48 beer, two, two mm-hmm. sixes of rye, a two liter of Coke, no need for change of clothes, just a dip in the lake. Now, trailers with granite countertops, <laughs> microwave oven, indoor, outdoor kitchens. Yeah. Indoor and oh, outdoor yes. kitchens. TV with satellite, air conditioning, washers and dryers. This is what I now need for camping. It's funny how things change over the years, isn't it? Yeah, I'd have to hire somebody, though, that could back it in for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, haven't you seen the trucks now? They've got the big the trailer assist, I the park still assist. still don't think it would help me. Uh, uh, Jerry, do, do you like to partake in the camping from time to time? Uh, I haven't gone camping since I was in high school. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things where on a Friday night you'd pack up a bunch of hot dogs and beers and just head on out. And uh, I, d- I don't even think we had any air mattresses or anything. We slept right on the ground, but I don't think my back could take that anymore. I would at least have to have an air mattress of some kind to sleep on. Give me that. I'm fine. I remember one May long weekend back in the late 1980s. That's when it used to be nice on the May long weekend, nice mm-hmm. and hot and sunny. It was this time, too, this year. That's yeah. true. First yeah. time in 40 years, maybe. Yeah. And went up to Grand Beach, and there were th- about three groups of us. And uh, we used to call them the Parkies, right? The Park Patrol. And they came back, and they said, uh, who's staying over here? Put up my hand. <laughs> staying over here. Where's your tent? I don't need a tent. I sleep in my car. You have to have a tent in order to have a campsite. So went in the trunk, found some string. Took a sleeping bag, put a string between two chair, two trees, slung a sleeping bag over the rope in a triangle. I said, is that good enough? Yeah, I guess that's good enough. And for Are me, you kidding me? I am not kidding. <laughs> and that was good enough for me back in the day. And now I'm with our texter. I don't have granite countertops in the camper, but I certainly have a TV. And I certainly have... A stove and a microwave oven. Thanks, you guys. Is having ca- having camping. Think about all the tents uh, <laughs> tents set up this weekend at the Dolphin Country Fest. Yeah, fair uh. enough. We got to get out here, guys. It's Mackling and McGarry in the morning. Are you a camper or a glamper? Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Want to hear from you? Yesterday and Wednesday, we told you the story of a woman in Ontario who lost her father and her three children in a deadly crash three years ago. A crash caused 
by a drunk driver. Distracted driving rivals and surpasses impaired driving in some jurisdictions as the cause of collisions causing death. Why do we continue to operate vehicles in a matter that suggests it's something other than our first priority? Distracted driving has a particularly personal connection. We always think it's going to happen to somebody else. Is it worth the risk? Gordon Lightfoot, one of my... Most people will use their intellect to not choose to drink and drive. But those same people don't view texting and driving as nearly as seriously. When we get a text or when we get a like uh, on our social media, we get this shot of dopamine and that feels good to us. The, the, the brain chemistry is addictive. Do I stop and think to myself, do I risk becoming part of the newsfeed? What if I end up becoming the story? And the results can be devastating. That's Winnipeg Police Service Sergeant Rob Duchin with a bite-sized piece of his personal story, which has become the focus of a distracted driving campaign. Sergeant Duchin shared the details of his story re- yesterday afternoon with Richard and Julie. Well, um, in 2009, in August, uh, my father uh, and mother, who were living in Kingman, Arizona at the time, my, my father took his dog out for, uh, for an evening walk. And uh, at about uh, nine o'clock local, my mom, hearing sirens in the neighborhood, went to the front door. And her dog was at the front door, bloodied. Uh, she watched the ambulance go by the access street to their neighborhood. And later, a sheriff's deputy showed up on her doorstep to tell her that my father had been struck by a car. Um, he was walking on the correct side of the road in a neighborhood with no sidewalks. His, his back or his face towards oncoming traffic. A 16-year-old female in a Ford Explorer who was later found to be texting uh, crossed all the way across the road from her lane to oncoming traffic's lane, struck dad mid-back. The dog went under the vehicle the, uh, my dad was vaulted forward about 35 feet in the air. And, uh, the medical examiner told us that he was probably likely dead as he hit the ground. They worked on him. Uh, I remember being in bed on a Saturday night in Winnipeg, 11 o'clock and the phone rang. And if you're like me, there are certain times of the day when that house phone rings that you know that the voice on the other end and the message on the other end isn't going to be good. And it rang. I rolled over in bed, and it was my mom saying, uh, your dad's been hit by a car. Paramedics are working on him. He's on the way to the hospital. It doesn't look good. So I immediately got on the phone to my brother and sister in Calgary, and I, uh, I caught them both. My youngest sister agreed to phone my other sister in Vancouver. And in the time it took me to convey those messages, my mom phoned back about 10 minutes and told me that my dad was dead. Sergeant Duchin shared the details of his tragic story yesterday afternoon with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham on the news. Rob's father and mother lived in Arizona. The details of how this all happened, bothersome, is uh, really... Well, that's to say the least. Over the course of the ensuing three years, we went through both a legal proceeding uh, in the criminal justice system in the United States, uh, as well as a civil lawsuit to resolve the insurance claim around dad's death. 
And as part of the victim process in the state of Arizona, we were given full disclosure of the entire investigation. And what we saw was a person who was on their cell phone every waking hour uh, texting and a 12-hour interruption from a last text at the time of the accident until texting her boyfriend that she'd been texting with to say, something's happened, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Richard Cluche put it succinctly and accurately in my point of view. Here's the problem. Nobody thinks it's going to happen to them. Nobody who texts thinks that it's going to result in something like this. You know, the reality is, Richard, we, we get that, that ping on our phone and we're conditioned to pick it up and to look at it. And it's, it's just going to be a quick glance. And the problem with distracted driving, like impaired driving, so impaired driving impairs your motor skills, it impairs your cognition, it impairs your perception. But distracted driving actually takes all of those sensory input. It takes your hands off of the wheel. It takes your eyes off of the road. And it takes your brain out of processing that sensory information. And it turns it to your cell phone. You become perceptually focused on that. You get your little dopamine hit from your, your message. And then you have to formulate a response to the text that's come in. And if you do that traveling at 90 kilometers an hour, you've traveled in the time it's going to take you to look down and read your text message, six football fields. While we've been playing this story from Sergeant Rob Duchin of the Winnipeg Police Service, I got a text message and it's going to preempt the clip I was going to play from Sergeant Duchin that you've been hearing in the news this morning, at least part of it. Hi, Greg. Long distance truck driver here. I see at least seven out of 10 people texting while driving all day long. It's scary out here nowadays, and no, I'm not driving right now. We run team, and I'm in the sleeper. Be safe out there, everyone, this holiday weekend. Please stop texting and driving. That's from Gary. And I think we just have to realize that getting to where we're going by car or truck, however you're driving, isn't a part-time job. It requires our attention, plain and simple. Rob, Rob and his story, his family story, has to have an impact, doesn't it? Jerry's math, mastering the French horn. Maybe mastering is a strong word. Were you run out? Did you run out of spittle there at, at the end? What happened? Well, that was that was just the big finale. That wasn't a finale. You got to work on that <laughs> ending there, man. Oh, well, I thought I did pretty good today. Behind the glass, Jerry working on his French horn for you. Which uh, which uh, studio theme is that? I, I don't. That's even Universal. Re- I couldn't even recognize it. Sorry, Jerry. I hate to <laughs> I hate to break it to you. It's Greg Mackling. No Brett McGarry this week or next, but. The Couch Potatoes never rest, 
And, uh, well, Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun were in the studio last night. Cannot tell a lie. How am I supposed to portray to you that Jeff and Brett are here just for a segment at 7.37 on a Friday morning? I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to insult your intelligence in that fashion. I'm just going to tell you they were here last night and they put this together for us. The first movie we'll tell you about is a sequel that I am excited about, but skeptical about. It's Sicario, Day of the Soldado. How would you define terrorism? Current definition is any individual or group that uses violence to achieve political goal. The administration believes that the drug cartels The first Sicario movie debuted in 2015, directed by Quebec's Denis Villeneuve, written by Taylor Sheridan as part of his three American Frontier movies, which also included Hell or High Water and Wind River, which were also both very good. Sicario was about Mexican drug cartels. It got three Oscar nominations. It starred Emily Blunt as an FBI agent, recruited to an elite government task force run by Josh Brolin. The task force also included a mysterious guy played by Benicio Del Toro, whose family was murdered by a cartel kingpin. Blunt was the moral center of that film. Fast forward to the sequel, directed by Stefano Solima. Blunt is not back, but Brolin and Del Toro are, and this time, since there is no Blunt, there are no rules. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. Turning you loose. I'll lose. No rules this time. Adios. I am excited to revisit this world, but it's a different writer, it's a different director, there's no Emily Blunt, so I fear that this is going to sully my love of that first film, but I will still see it. You're gonna help us start a war. With who? Also, holy summer of Josh Brolin, Batman, Thanos in Avengers Infinity War, Cable in Deadpool 2, and now the angry CIA guy in Sicario. He's busy. That is pretty impressive. Last, and certainly least, a bunch of NBA players team up for the comedy Uncle Drew. Someone like you could combine the old school with the new school at the Rucker. I'll do it on one condition. Anything you want. It's got to be my team. My roster. Okay, anything but that. Don't be slamming my door. Sorry about that. Um, Man, you just did the same. Gotta get the boys. Kyrie Irving plays a senior citizen who's awesome at basketball and is going to enter some street tournament with his friends, played by Shaquille O'Neal, Reggie Miller, and others, all playing senior citizens. It's kind of insane. Lil Ray from Get Out has to keep them all together to win the big game. Yada, yada, yada. It looks really dumb. You don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. That sucker punch is the first free throw you ever made. Oh. Oh. 
That's what's new at the movies. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes on 680 CJOB. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Brett. Of course, the Couch Potatoes air twice weekly, not only here on 680 CJOB every weekend, but right across Canada on the Chorus Radio Network. And you can download the latest version of the podcast now. Why don't you just subscribe to it? And then that way it just shows up. When it's done, when it's ready. Right, Jerry? Like the Blue Bomber podcast. Exactly. If you subscribe to it, it just shows up when it's done, when we've done, added all the bells and whistles and, and everything that needs and, to be added. And bull sound effects. It's and, great. Y- y- yes, yes. I I had a couple of expletives slip out in the latest edition <laughs> of the Blue Bomber podcast. Thanks for covering up for me, Jerry. I appreciate it. But you know, the podcast is a little bit different than a broadcast because Doug Brown and I get a little bit more, shall we say, honest in the podcast and speak in ways that we can't necessarily speak on air. Doug's good at minding his language. I am not as good. And just so you know, uh, the uh, expletives are not deleted. Oh, you didn't delete them. You just no, kind of... I, I enhanced them. Oh, you enhanced <laughs> them. <laughs> well, now I'm really going to have to listen tonight. Hey, by the way, speaking of movies, you may be seeing this story on uh, Global News. It's certainly at globalnews.ca. Harry Potter's invisibility cloak might not be so fanciful after all. Is, is, is that the word? Fance, fancical? Fantastical? Fanciful? I don't know. Uh, well, fan- I don't- Fantastical. That's the one. A team of researchers in Montreal claims to have successfully rendered an object invisible to broadband light using a new technique dubbed spectral cloaking. We'll hear more about that as we make our way through the day. The Romulans have been doing that for years. Uh, The Romulans are, I believe, fictitious characters, just so you know. Don't be conflating the Romulans with... (laughs) Things that are real, you silly muggle. It's Mackling and McGarry in the morning behind the glass, Jerry, keeping us on track. In honor of Canada Day, Google Trends is sharing the most iconic Canadian slang searched by Canadians in each province. It goes, it just goes to show how each of our provinces and territories have their own unique identities. To tell us about the results, we are joined live on 680 CGOB by Google Trends expert, Nicole Bell. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing doing very well, thank you very much. I'm looking at this this map and it indicates the different words that are the most popular Canadian slang in terms of their searches. Is this a case of us trying to learn more about ourselves or one another? I think it's a little bit of both, you know. I think in some cases people are, you know, maybe hearing slang words and going to Google to to look it up to get a definition to find out what it means. Um, you know, in the case of uh, of Alberta, they're looking up a slang word that is one of the most famous kind of uh, only in Saskatchewan words. Uh, so I kind of wonder whether that might be a case of Alberta wondering what's happening next door and wanting to get more details. And that's the word bunny hug, which I think a lot of folks will know is is the Saskatchewan word for um, a hoodie. hoodie well, what do I have to? I've got to go down that road. And, and you know, I thought uh, the economy had turned the corner in Saskatchewan. I thought Saskatchewanians were staying home. But I guess they're, maybe they're still moving to, to Alberta and bothering people in Alberta with this stupid word. 
<laughs> or they're, you know, they're, they're maybe seeing, you know, ads for, for bunny hugs and wondering what the heck this thing is. Or, you know, they're, they're listening to us tell them from Google that people are searching about bunny hugs in Saskatchewan and want to know what's going on. It's, uh, it's a funny one. It's, it's one of those great words that, now, uh, uh, that I love so much about Canada. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now, if you own the professional hockey team in Vancouver... It's probably not a good thing that the most popular thing Googled in British Columbia is what on earth does your team name mean? That's right. People are searching for Canuck in British Columbia. So uh, I think people are looking up to be like, what is what does the Canuck mean? What is a Canuck? Uh, you know, a traditional kind of a term, a slang term for Canadian. Uh, but yep, that's the that is the most searched Canadian thing in BC is Canuck. Okay, you, in the Yukon, it's fill your boots. I, I like that saying. I've always liked it. In, uh, it in Nunavut, it's it's uh, Mountie. And I see. I don't. I, I don't understand. In Newfoundland, you, you, like you would think they would know what uh, yes by means. It's true, and now I'm not sure whether people are searching up searching yes by because they want to know how to spell it properly, or whether they are looking for you know background on where yes by came from. But yet yes by tops tops the list uh, in Newfoundland, and then really interestingly, you know PEI going back to the classic, maybe the most Canadian slang of it all, the classic A. Yeah, exactly A. Um... Have we figured out why we do that? Why we throw it in? I, I, it's like a, it's almost like an implied apology, right? We we need consensus. I think the A is the is consensus building at its finest. I think that's a really great way of looking at it, to be honest. Because yeah, you kind of you kind of say A and look around at people like right, right. Well, <laughs> you make this here, grandiose right? statement <laughs> and you you really declare yourself and then you, A. And then you want everybody else to say that that's okay. What about pop? Where where are they looking up pop? So uh, Quebec is looking at pop, which uh, which I think is fantastic. You know, our, our neighbors to the south. You try going down to the U.S. and ordering a pop, and they look at you like you're a crazy person because um, <laughs> they only say soda. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it, Quebec is is very interested in in uh, pop. So they just they just uh, uh, want to know why they get looked at funny, why they use that word, maybe. Now, uh, in Manitoba here, oh, of course, Ontario, it's the six, and it's the, uh, it, sorry, I, I know, six, yeah, I, I know where I you know. are, Nicole, so I apologize. The six, it's the, <laughs> then the number six, and then I, X, it's the most ludicrous spelling of any word in a long time, uh, but like, you know, people not know they're in the six? I actually think I may have some insight into why people are searching for the six here, which is that the number one Canadian who is most searched by Canadians in the last year is Drake. And obviously, you know, the six God, he's kind of the one that is popularized uh, using the phrase the six. Um, I actually think people are trying to look it up to figure out how to spell it. That's uh, that's what I think it is. Or or people who aren't Drake fans looking it up to be, what, do I live in the six? Am I from the six? Am I allowed to use this term? You know, if I live outside of Toronto, how does this work? So, well, yeah, because yeah. you could be in the 905, right, in Mississauga and those areas. Right. So the six is the 416, and so it's very specific. I got to let you run here, uh, Nicole, but uh, my friend Gina von Stackelberg always said I was a keener. And uh, lo and exactly. behold, there's the most popular search word in Manitoba is keener. You got it. Thanks, Nicole. Great to catch up with you. You have a great long weekend, okay? Happy Canada Day. Same to you. Enjoy the weekend.
Thank you, Nicole. Nicole Bell taking a look at some of the Google trends and some of the weird sayings we look at across Canada. 7.55. Do I have to do the cottage country weather here? Yeah, in about 40 seconds. Oh. Um, bunny hug? Never, never, ever use that. I, I think we should ban that word from the airwaves. I think so, too. And you know what? In Saskatchewan, they're looking up double-double. They don't know what it means. <laughs> Sorry, Saskatchewan. You know I love you. I really do. It's mostly jealousy. I'm, you could say, green with envy of the things they do in Saskatchewan. Oh, my. Who's your favorite teacher, Clay? Mr. Smith. That's not his real name. His name was Mr. Smith in grade five, Cannot School in Regina. That guy let me get away with murder. <laughs> Mayhem, some may say. He was a good guy. He was he you know, he came down on me hard, but he was a good teacher. He kicked me in the you know what. Yeah, I like it. How about you, Jerry, your favorite teacher once upon a time? Uh, Mr. Scott. Mr. What's with these boring names? I'm Smith, sorry. Scott. Uh, Doug Scott? Does that make it any more less boring? No, no, know. not at all. <laughs> what was his dealio? Uh, what he did he let you get away with? <laughs> well, he didn't let me get away with anything. The guy was nuts bar crazy. Yeah. And he used to play his guitar for us in the middle of class and like sing about whatever it was he was teaching us. And, and later on in my life, uh, I actually started working for him because he became the president of the Canadian Disc Jockey Association. And he had a, a company and, and I did some DJing for him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love these stories. Clay? I had another teacher name, and she was really a uh, disciplinarian. Okay. She was British, and her name was Mrs. Chatta. And a very and a very quick story. We had a guy named Morley in grade four. He was always getting into trouble, right? And I'll never forget this, because Morley was the class clown, not me. More, and one day, Morley was doing some kind of crazy shenanigans, and Mrs. Chatta snapped her fingers like, You! Down to the principal's office, and he looked at her, and he didn't bat an eye, and he goes, you, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Morley Young. Oh. Morley will be back at 9 o'clock with the weather and news update, keeping you informed. Uh, it is the last day of school, and I don't know what that entails. I know for some folks, it means you're going in. Some of the kids are just going in, get their report card, clean out their locker, boom, done, bye. Some kids might have to stay a little bit longer. And I think some kids, they hit the bricks yesterday. Because <laughs> I know sometimes we wouldn't even go to the last day of classes to get the report card. My mom would be like, they can mail it. We're going on holidays. We're on our way either camping, on our way to the mountains, or down to Turtle Mountain to do some camping. And, uh, well, these days, if you're not showing up at the last day of classes... With a gift for the teacher, you're like a pariah. What? You're an outlier. I thought the gift was you don't have to put up with me for the next two months. Well, interesting you should say that because I got a text message. We mentioned that we were going to be discussing this earlier. I'll tell you what predicated this. Well, obviously my kids and, and my teachers, the teachers that my kids have, fantastic have been fantastic all the way through the run through grade six, but I caught 
this article from the Globe and Mail this morning. It's an op-ed or just a, an opinion piece. The teacher who changed your child's life deserves more than a, di- a gift card is the headline. The teacher who changed my life, this is from Nicole McIntyre, didn't get a bottle of Riesling or a gift card from the neighborhood coffee franchise. I don't believe my mother even sent a thank you card. Such tokens of gratitude weren't standard in the mid-1980s. I thought of Mr. Doyle, like all my teachers, he had no known first name, as I joined a crowd of frazzled mothers in the greeting card aisle at the drugstore the night before the last day of school. He was my grade six teacher. My school experience in rural Nova Scotia until that point had been dispiriting. One of my first report cards noted that I would be, get this, a better student if I spent as much time on my studies as I did toying with my hair and chatting with my classmates. Now, Nicole does admit that this advice still applies. (laughs) So, you know what? As much as you lament... The early report cards, I can tell you all mine said that I talked too much and was disruptive in class. And here we are 30 plus years later, and that probably still holds true in the workplace. You're still talkative and disruptive. Yes, Yes, that's right. Right. This is this is who I am. This is who I've become. Embrace it. Well, I got a text message from a teacher. I'll leave his name out of it. Greg, the whole present for a teacher thing, well, in some cases, it's a parent's way of saying thank you for putting up with my kid. I I would agree with that. I've had teachers get presents before the school year even started. This was a way of saying I'm sorry for about what you're going to encounter. Oh, how bad does that kid have to be that I'm so sorry? Here you go. My word, I'm a shops teacher, so I don't get presents because I'm not a homeroom teacher, but I am, I'm not bitter or anything, inserts bad emoji face here, but honestly, it's just a way to stay, say thank you, that's all, it's a $5 gift card or a Tim's card, it goes a long way, but what I didn't realize is this has sort of become, I don't want to say mandatory, but that might be the exact right word. Expected? Expected. It's like it's like a gratuity for the teachers. Shouldn't that be built in? <laughs> I wonder if they have to claim that on their taxes. Anyway, Nicole McIntyre went on to say, and, and she, she told a, a really great story about her relationship with Mr. Doyle. Uh, she says, year-end teacher gifts are now expected. Both of my son's teachers this year were remarkable in different ways. One was bright and warm, adored by her kindergarten pupils like a second mother. I know more about her cat, Sally, than some of my close friends. By contrast, my oldest son's teacher was hard. She also had the wisdom to see that my clever but maddening son was better motivated by praise than fear. It's too early to know if either teacher will be central characters in their lives, but I have a sense my boys will tell me so in 25 years. So as I tucked a gift card into an envelope, I added a note to thank them just in case they turn out to be Mr. Doyle. 780-6868. Do you send a gift for your children's teachers? If so, do you resent having to do it or do you do it because you want to? Be curious to hear from you as to this. I don't know when this phenomenon started because uh, it was really foreign to me when my kids started school six years ago. But you do it. 
course they do it. I've never done it. I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I like, I'm a conformist on some things. <laughs> I can't help it. Anyway, I, I like to shake the, uh, the branches from time to time. But on this stuff, I'm going to go with the flow because I adore teachers. I've had a lot of special teachers in my life who I'm very thankful for. So uh, to all the teachers, whether you got a bottle of Riesling, a red bottle of wine, or nothing at all, thanks for everything that you do. Baby, Canada Day. Do you think fireworks? I know a lot of people do. After the maple leaf, it's probably uh, the most synonymous thing there is to, you know, when you think about Canada Day, besides celebrating our great country and having a couple of hot dogs, everybody looks forward to a fireworks display. They are all over the province. Candace Mitchell from one of the best fireworks display artists on the planet, Archangel Fireworks, joins us now, and they're located right here in Winnipeg. Good morning, Candace. Good morning. How are you today? Tired. I bet you are. This must be one of your busiest weeks or a couple of weeks of the entire season or the entire year. No, really, this is it for us. I mean, there are other busy times, but Canada Day is really fireworks driven. Like people love fireworks this time of year. So it's probably the busiest time of year for us. Yes. Okay. So uh, people have uh, taken to building their own shows independently. And I mean, let's face it, since uh, I was a kid, uh, my friends were into fireworks. I wasn't really in terms of doing things on my own, but there are lots of options for people that want to do it themselves. Uh, There are tons of options for people that want to do it themselves. And one of the things that Archangel specializes in specifically is custom building packages for people to do at the lake, in their yard, at family reunions, whatever. So we do our best to give them the best show that we can based on their location, their budget, and what their overall vision is. So give us like, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's a good number? If I want to do, you know, three or four minutes uh, that, that is going to impress my friends at the lake or maybe out at the farm or something this weekend, uh, how much money should I be planning to spend? Uh, well, obviously, the more money we have to play with, the better. Of course. Um, but, <laughs> but we always do our best with whatever budget it is. I would say that the average budget this time of year is like 250 to $500. Okay. So basically half of whatever you're spending on rye, that's what you can be spending on fireworks. <laughs> I kid, of course. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about weather? Always uh, a concern, right? Wind is a concern, but obviously the bigger concern is dampness and rain. Can you, in fact, do any sort of fireworks if it's raining? Uh, absolutely, you can. Um, actually, contradictory to what you just said, it's actually wind that will bring us down before and rain will. Interesting. Um, yeah, so we can shoot in the rain. Fireworks are very hardy. My technicians are very hardy. We obviously would prefer to do it under a sunny sky. Right. But the reality is it's the rain that won't stop us. It's actually wind. So if there's a wind gusting over a certain level, we're not legally allowed to shoot the show. So with rain, it's more of a pleasant experience for our crews and for our crowds as opposed to it is not being able to do it. Do the fireworks not go quite as high? Is, is anything of their operation uh, restricted if, it, if it's damp? Uh, dampness can affect the firing of the unit, yes. I mean, just like anything else, it would change the shape. But no, um, they really don't function any differently if they have gotten wet. Some of them can provide what's called a low break, which is when the cell will leave the gun and break lower than it's in, determined to. But that doesn't happen that often. 
So uh, what are, before we let you go, what are what are some of the names of the fireworks that, that I should know? Like, uh, you know, you, you had, uh, what, what were they, the, 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 the candle... What, what, so what, what, Roman candles, right? And Roman then, candles. What, what yeah. are some and of the then, other catchphrase names that I should know if I'm, you know, going to c- pretend to be a fireworks aficionado? Oh, so I would say things like barrage, uh, cakes, single shots, uh, mine effects, peonies, chrysanthemums, ghosts. There's tons of great words that describe fireworks. Fantastic. Well, Candice, uh, we'll let you get a little bit of uh, a, a break and uh, catch your breath. And uh, <laughs> when is uh, Archangel open today and when are you open tomorrow? Uh, we are open today from 10 until 8 p.m. Tomorrow from 10 till 8 p.m. And Sunday from 10 until 8 p.m. And we also have three brand new roadside locations for easy convenience for stopping on the way to the lake. At Grow Greenhouse at St. Anne's in the Perimeter in St. Andrews across from the Larders Golf Course and at the 59er. Sounds good. And, of course, you're uh, right near Confusion Corner on Pembina Highway, right? You bet, 104. 104. Candice, always great to catch up with you. Thank you for this, and uh, get some rest next week. (laughs) After the second, you bet. (laughs) Okay, take care. Candice Mitchell of Archangel Fireworks, one of the great firework display companies anywhere on the planet. And, of course, they're based right here in Winnipeg, Mackling and McGarry with you. No McGarry, but uh, hey, Jerry, what time yes. do I have to do that uh, forecast for the lake? Is it at 8.56? That's correct. So I keep thinking it's at 8.55. You're thinking of the 9 o'clock hour. Oh, right, because Charles Adler hangs yeah. around and gives us his Canadian wisdom. That's correct. Of course. So I don't have enough time to tell you this um, incredible story of customer service from Minnesota, but I'll try and uh, share that with you later. I do have just enough time to say, good morning, Greg. This is on text at 780 Just wanted to show you what I had made for my daughter's teacher that she had for two years in a row. I thought it was a nice thank you and a show of appreciation as what she does for my daughter and her class. She does a program where they do a chef for a day and cooking in the classroom. She also does a program called Little Green Thumbs where they garden in the classroom in a tradition of Fridays called Forest Fridays. Just an absolutely adorable gift and I am not anti-gift for the teachers, just for the record. It's Canada Day up Canada Way on the first day of July. Allison August, she is marketing and community engagement coordinator for the Assiniboine Park Conservancy. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm doing really well. I'm not as busy as you are. I'm about 18 minutes away from my weekend starting, and I suspect your work week is kind of just getting going here. Yeah, we are ramping it up and getting ready for Canada Day at Assiniboine Park here. There's lots of details to get in order, and but everything is set to go for Sunday. One of the exciting things going on it happens at 12 o'clock on Sunday without skipping over what happens at 11, but this, uh, this event happening between 12 and 1 is uh, something that's very special. That's right. We have a citizenship uh, ceremony happening here in the park, and we're just so excited to... Um, welcome all these new Canadians officially into Canada to be citizens of our country. We really feel as though Assiniboine Park is a place for everyone to enjoy, for families of all nationalities from all corners of the globe and from all corners of Winnipeg to come and explore and enjoy. And uh, so we're so excited that this ceremony is taking place here on Canada Day. You know, when I was growing up, my my grandpa grew up in in St. James 
And uh, growing up, my grandpa never called it a Cinnaboyne Park. He called it City Park. Yeah. You know, my mom still refers to it as City Park quite frequently. <laughs> so, that, um, yeah. Can you, are you familiar with the, with the history there as, as why I'm, people call it that? I'm not or? terribly familiar with it, but I think that it was called City Park at, for quite a long time. But I don't know. I don't know the details of the history, but I do know that that was what it was commonly referred to as. Yeah. I, and I think it was because it was the city of St. James that actually purchased that property and made it a park. thus the footbridge con- connecting the city uh, to the park. Uh, yes. at Overdale there. So uh, I was just wondering if you still hear that and uh, even your mom does that. Yeah, so. yeah. I think now that I've been working here for a few years, she's dropped that pretty much. <laughs> but for a long time, she would say City Park. And yeah. I'd say, Mom, it's a Cinnaboyne Park. Well, <laughs> and it really is, though. Uh, it is a, a, an apropos name, right? Because sure people from all over the city come to enjoy the incredible scenery, all the facilities, the facilities that are being upgraded at uh, just a ridiculous pace right now. Tell us about some of the things that are going on otherwise on Sunday, and then people can come and check out not only these festivities, but all the upgrades that are happening in the park. Yeah, well, for the rest of the afternoon after the citizenship ceremony on the Lyric stage, we have Al Simmons at 1 o'clock, and then from 2 to 5, we have Folkorama programming. At 5 o'clock, our Canada Day programming officially ends on the Lyric stage. There are no fireworks at Assiniboine Park this year, I'll note that. But once the once the programming's done here, uh, visitors can head on over into the zoo, because we're keeping the zoo open late until 8 o'clock that night. We have an incredible new wolf habitat in Assiniboine Park Zoo that's just fantastic. Um, there's the Extreme Bugs exhibit presented by artist Reet. Uh, the, all the seasonal exhibits are open, like the Shirley Richardson Butterfly Garden and the Australian Walkabout. Also happening on Canada Day, we are kicking up a pop-up patio at the Pavilion. So uh, the Pavilion will be hosting a pop-up patio every Thursday night from July, in July and August from 5 to 11. But we're opening it up on Canada Day from noon to 5. So people who want to stop in and have a cocktail or a small plate uh, bite to eat are welcome to do so. I think I'm going to have to put pop-up patio on my list of voice exercises to do. Pop-up patio, pop-up yeah. patio. It's a, it, it rolls off the tongue, but not not always easy to say. Um, what about parking? People I know can uh, park at the Canadian Mennonite University on Shaftesbury, right? You've got a shuttle going back and forth? We sure do. We have a shuttle going back and forth from uh, the Canadian Mennonite University at 500 Shaftesbury Boulevard. Um, so you're welcome to park there and hop on our uh, our our shuttle and then uh, that's happening from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. We also encourage people to ride your bikes or use public transportation. It's going to be, I think, a pretty nice day on Sunday. It's a beautiful day because it's Canada Day. So regardless, it's always a beautiful day. And uh, there's going to be lots of bouncy castles and food trucks and face painting for the kids. So we're very excited. It's a wonderful day of family programming at the park. And if I want to load up my cooler, I can bring all, all my food from home if I want as well, right? You sure can. Pack yourself a picnic and enjoy the music, enjoy the programming and the, all the activities we have, and uh, it's going to be a great day. Well, one of my great memories growing up was my mom and dad would used to pack up stuff on a Sunday morning, and we didn't have a cottage, but we would go to Cinnaboyne Park and have breakfast in the park three or four times a summer. My dad would break out the camping stove, and we would have bacon and eggs at the park, and uh, uh, that's going back about 40 years, but I can close my eyes, and I'm right there. Such great memories out of Cinnaboyne. 
Boyne Park. Thanks for this, Allison. Oh, well, thank you for sharing those memories with us, and that's what it's all about. You betcha. We hope to see everybody out on Canada Day. Allison August, Marketing and Community Engagement Coordinator for City Park, also known as the Assiniboine Park Conservancy. Thanks again, Allison, and best to your mom. Say hi to your mom for us. I shall. Thank you. I'm Greg Mackling for Behind the Glass. Jerry, thank you for spending part of your week with us. (laughs) 